chapter 13. She took her time walking home. She knew she had lots to think about and work through, but she had spent days shut up in the house and hours in the church. She needed some fresh air. She decided to take the long route home through the town. She crossed the road and headed down the steep hill to the waterfront. The weather was cooler and she pulled her cardigan tight around her. The light was fading fast, but Saoirse loved this in-between time. She made her way onto the main pier and stood at the railing facing Holbolan Island. The sea air was crisp and calming. The lights of the naval base on the island were just coming on and the final launch, delivering men and women home, was just leaving the pier on the island in front of her. She closed her eyes and took a deep breath. She loved the smell, the sounds, the breezes, the ever-changing landscape of leaving so close to the sea. She could never move inland, she'd be lost. She kept her eyes closed and listened. Letting her mind go blank, she soaked in the sounds of the harbour. A trawler was docking at the pier. The fishermen's voices sounded tired and disgruntled. Further out, the smooth movement of a container ship easing through the channel. A sound she loved to hear in the dead of night. Its large, awkward appearance and a complete contrast to the grace and fluidity of its movements. The pier faced the Titanic Museum and below it the restaurant was unusually busy for a Monday. She could hear voices, boisterous and laughing on the decking. Words floated here and there on the breeze and even from some closer distance she only caught a few. Saoirse loved to people watch, boat watch, anything watch and concoct stories to go with what she heard or saw. It would be a welcome distraction now. She opened her eyes and looked across to the restaurant parallel to her, ready to create their story. The voices were suddenly swept away by the breeze, but she saw the faces and she gasped. Sean stood with his father on the deck, surrounded by what must be his rugby team. Large, overtrained, young men, but all neatly dressed in back pants and white shirts. Sean had removed the tie he was wearing earlier, and although he still looked tired and worn, he looked more relaxed and was laughing. Saoirse knew they were probably remembering funny stories about Kate, laughing and joking about her, the adults drinking themselves silly, but all in the memory of the lost soul. It was a typical Irish wake. Suddenly she became very aware of the fact that he might see her standing there, gazing at them. She wanted to talk to him, but now was not the time. She hurried in from the pier head and walked quickly across the square and up the steps by the side of the library. She couldn't remember the last time she had come this way and marvelled at the beauty of the library building itself and also at her home. She stopped at the top of the steps and looked up at the crescent encompassing her. It really was magnificent. She could see why Sean was eager to have a look inside. She made a mental note to ask why Cove and why this house, 
to add to the mountain of things she had to ask her grandmother about. She took a deep breath and crossed the communal garden and then pushed the gate into her garden. Her mother and father were sitting at the breakfast bar drinking coffee. Both looked worried. She was in trouble. She knew it. She pushed the French doors open and stepped into the muted light of the kitchen. Her mother turned immediately and Saoirse saw the look of relief in her eyes for an instant and then came the anger. Where the hell have you been, Saoirse? Been worried sick all day. Do you realise no one has seen you since this morning? God, I wish you'd take your phone. You'd be the death of me. Saoirse felt guilty. She hadn't thought that they would be looking for her. She hadn't really even thought about them at all. She'd been too wrapped up in her own problems. She really didn't like this new Saoirse. So selfish and self-centred. She had never been so thoughtless. She dropped her head and her shoulders and in the lowest of voices, she apologised. I'm so sorry, Mum. I got carried away. I really didn't mean to upset or worry you. It's just, I've had so much to get my head around and then there was the funeral. At this, Saoirse's dad raised an eyebrow and her mother mirrored his reaction. Saoirse was surprised. Where did they think she'd been? She didn't have any friends. and There wasn't far she could go without her phone or wallet. Both, she remembered, were now sitting on her desk in her room. Where else could she have gone? Where did you think I was? She was genuinely eager to know what they thought she had been up to for the past seven or eight hours. I really didn't have a clue, honey. There was relief in her father's voice. I'm just glad you're back. Now, all we have to worry about is your grandmother. Saoirse was confused. She had assumed the worry and stress that could be felt in the kitchen when she walked in was all about her, but now it seemed her grandmother was also on the missing list. Where had she disappeared to? Mom, I saw you with her leaving the church. Where did she go then? She went to the graveyard with me, but she said she was finding it all a little too much and went to sit at your grandfather's grave. That's where I saw her last. But that was about two, half two, and she isn't answering her mobile phone either. Your father was just about to go out looking for you both when you came in. I'll be grey before I know it over the two of you, you know? You have me worried sick. She sighed heavily and placed her head in her hands, resting her elbows on the breakfast bar. Saoirse's father went and stood behind her and wrapped his arms around her shoulders, kissing the top of her head lightly. Well, we have one back now. Let me worry about my mother. I'll take the car and check if she's still at the graveside. Just as he picked the keys up off the kitchen counter, the front door clicked and they could hear Saoirse's grandmother in the corridor, removing her coat and hanging it in the closet. Her steps were slow but sure, and she was fixing her hair when she entered the kitchen. Her cheeks were flushed from the cold, but Saoirse saw the telltale signs of tears that lingered on her face. Saoirse's grandmother looked up in surprise to see them all standing there looking at her, and she dropped her head in embarrassment. I hope you're not all waiting around for me, she half giggled. Saoirse saw the look of anger in her mother's eyes and so saw her father squeeze her arm lovingly as if to say, let it pass, which she did 
with another heavy sigh. Her grandmother moved across the kitchen and took the kettle from the stove. She filled it at the sink and returned it to the hot plate and came to join them at the island. Saoirse realised she was still standing at the spot she had been when she first came in and suddenly felt very tired. She pulled herself into the chair facing her mother and her grandmother sat up next to her. Two bold schoolgirls here to make amends to the principal. I'm terribly sorry, love. I had a lot on my mind and I always find sitting and chatting with Rory is so therapeutic. I miss him so much, even after all these years, but I always feel so close to him when I'm there. Although I reckon he only plants himself there when he knows I'm coming, I reckon he spends the rest of the time at home, roaming the cliffs and gazing at the sea like he did when we were young. That's beside the point. I'm sure I had you worried, disappearing for so long at my age and not answering my phone, but I had a lot to think about and I just wanted to be on my own. She sounded genuinely sorry and Saoirse's mother warmed to her apology. She visibly sat straighter and the slightest of smiles turned the corner of her lips. She looked at Saoirse and winked. She was okay and they were forgiven. The kettle boiled in the background and her father silently made a large pot of tea. He placed it in the centre of them and then brought four large slices of carrot cake and some napkins. Saoirse looked at her grandmother and back at the cake. She was starving. They both were. Before he had the plate on the table, both had taken a slice and begun to devour it. He poured tea for them all and Saoirse relished this togetherness. They all sat around the island and sipped tea and ate cake. It reminded her of Friday evening before all this mess had really taken off. For now, she was enjoying their comfortable silence. She knew it had to be broken shortly with questions, but for now, it was bliss. So, which of you ladies would like to explain to me first what exactly went on today? Saoirse hadn't expected her dad to be the one to break the silence, but he was. And while his tone was calm, there was an authority in it that meant he expected answers. Saoirse felt brave, warmed by the tea and full of cake. She raised her hand like a good student, a mocking gesture that did not go unnoticed by her father. He grinned and with his teacher's voice told her to proceed. I wasn't going to go anywhere, but when I saw all those people filing into the church, I felt this compulsion to join them. Don't ask me why. I'd never been inside the church before, you know. I didn't really know what to expect. I wasn't going to go inside, but I ended up sitting next to Sean's grandfather. At this, her grandmother raised an eyebrow, but said nothing. The church was magnificent. I never even knew it was so beautiful, and when the crowds left, I found it was nice to sit in the peace and quiet. I must have fallen asleep or something because it was only when Michael came along that I realised what time it was. I was in a total other world. Her mother reacted this time. Who's Michael, Saoirse? Oh, he's the priest that said Kate's Mass. He found me at the back of the church after he had returned from the graveyard and was worried about me. 
He knows Gran quite well, perhaps even better than us. At this she winked at her grandmother, who smiled back a little sheeplessly. He left me with lots of questions, Gran. Can you please help to answer some of them? Her father was surprised by all of this and looked at his mother with questioning eyes. It was clear he knew that they were. But there was an intrigue in his eyes. Was there more to know? Mother, is it true? Do you know this priest? I do. He's a very good friend to me. He gives me great counsel, especially when there is no one else I can turn to. Saoirse's father looked a little wounded by this. He was a good son. All was there for his mother, and here she was admitting to finding comfort and advice from a priest. She saw the hurt in his eyes and tried to rectify the situation. I turned to him because I could endanger all of you if I spoke to you. I'm sure he's explained what I asked him to, Saoirse, and may declare that I am bound to what I can say and what I cannot say. You know that what we are is not normal. Very few of our kind still exist, and you and I, Saoirse, are even rarer. There are only two mortal banshees in existence. You and I. I was once a true banshee, but my love for your grandfather made me change that. It wasn't an easy decision to change, nor was it an easy process. We knew we had to make the sacrifices, but we did it to be together. At the time, it seemed the right thing to do. We were young and we were in love. Rory was so strong and brave, he thought we could conquer everything. If he was here today, I'm sure he would be saying the same thing now. But all I can say, Saoirse, is that it's very important that you are careful who you speak to about what we are. We can't have the world knowing we exist because he might hear and come to take his revenge. It's complicated. He is a very powerful being and even discussing the conditions of our agreement with you might trigger his arrival. All I can say is you don't want to meet him. So please be careful who you open up to. Saoirse, her mother and her father stared open-mouthed in disbelief at her grandmother, who in Saoirse's eyes seemed to be aging by the second. Her body was visibly more stooped and fragile looking than she had ever noticed before. Worry and stress were obvious both on her face and in her voice. Saoirse couldn't quite get her head around what her grandmother was saying. As if life had not become as complicated enough, she was now adding the threat of some supernatural being who would be listening out for her and eager to come and claim some kind of forfeit. Saoirse didn't know whether to laugh or cry. This was getting far beyond ridiculous and she needed to get out of here. She could see the confusion and weariness in both her mother and father's faces and really couldn't handle that on top of everything else at the moment. I don't mean to be rude, but I really think I need to go to bed. This is all getting too much for me and I need some space and time to think. She left them all around the island and headed up the stairs.